Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Jeremy Smith and Muhammad Ali. Here's a quick bit of advice to any sportsman thinking of doing this in the next few weeks. Do not take a selfie with Drake. That curse struck again on Sunday night, but who did prove that it was God's plan to succeed and who will be telling their friends to just hold on as they're coming home soon? Less music puns and more football after the latest headlines. On Friday, Dijon picked up another valuable point at home to Amiens, but the game was marred by racist chanting by home spectators as Amiens captain Prince Guano, who spoke wonderfully after the game about the situation. Elsewhere, not compounded the misery on outgoing Lyon manager Bruno Genesio as they won 2-1 against Legon. Genesio will now leave in the summer, but the club are now sweating over Champions League qualification. On Saturday, Marseille got back to winning ways with a 2-1 win over Nîmes, with all three goals coming in the final 20 minutes. All gang up and a point in an entertaining 3-0 draw with Strasbourg at least lifts them off the bottom spot. That honour goes to Cole, who slips back to the basement thanks to Jeffran Adelaide's goal for Angers, as Monaco were held to a goalless draw at home to Reims. Montpellier gave themselves a boost in the chase for European football on Sunday as they won 2-1 at home to Toulouse. But both Nice and Rennes put dints in their own charges as neither could break the deadlock at Roseanne Park. Saint-Étienne reduced the gap to rivals Lyon to just three points after an impressive 3-0 win over Bordeaux, which included a double from fullback Mathieu Debouchy. And in the final game of the weekend, Lille defended home court and delayed PSG's title celebrations by at least a few days as they won 5-1. Goalscorer Juan Bernat saw red before Lego Doug Ryan riot with four different players finding the net alongside a Thomas Munier own goal. And that's all for now. But to keep up to date with all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week where ideally we never really want to start, and that is the crowd trouble we saw in Dijon. They about midway through the game as they were taking a corner. The uh, the home side were actually taking a corner. Some offensive chants were made to Amiens captain Prince Guano, who obviously was distraught by this. Set, stopped the game for, for several minutes as he tried to speak to the crowd and they spoke wonderfully afterwards as well, Mo. It, it's ugly scenes again at Dijon. It sort of hawks back to, I think it was last season they did against uh, Mario Balotelli while he was at Nice as well. So it's, it's not a first occurrence from that specific club although the club have condemned it and even threatened legal action against uh, one of the perpetrators at least but ugly scenes again and something that we should obviously condemn but more than that if it's 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 a repeat offense for for Dijon and this can't keep happening no you're right you know it's not the first uh, occurrence um, and you know the way things have been going especially across Europe uh, European football in the last couple of weeks, you you think that it's not going to be the last either. It's just, you know, it's something that needs to be stamped out. I thought uh, Guana did, you know, a very good job. He's very eloquent um, in his actions on Friday, um, but it's obviously clearly something that needs to be stamped out. And 
well, you know, I'm, I'm sure the players and the majority of fans are not responsible um, for, for the actions of a small minority, but there has to be, you know, zero tolerance approach. There has to be a tough line drawn at some point because, you know, the it's it's a scourge and it's something that needs to be stamped out and um, ensured, you know, something that will never happen again um, on a football pitch. But, you know, I don't. I don't really know what the what the league and what the disciplinary uh, action will be. Um, you know, we talk about you know racism initiatives, uh, players that should you know stay on the field and just report something to the referee. But I, I'm I, you know definitely support Guano and the fact that he he saw he saw it fit to sort of uh, temporarily stop the game. But if you know if it were down to me and what I would like to see is players simply walk off. You know, it, it, it it's tantamount to a hostile work environment and that. In that sort of situation, um, but what I would like to see is that you know clubs or um, clubs first of all running campaigns among their own fans to say, well, you know, if you do behave badly um, in in a in a in a football stadium, be it racism, be it um, you know homophobia, or or you know what we saw um, a couple of seasons ago in Lyon, for example, um, against uh, against women. Um, you know, something that needs to be stamped out at the club level and the league needs to take a hard line against it. Yeah, and that's where the, the sort of, the, at least the next stage of this comes in and we'll talk about that in the moment. But just specifically, uh, Guano as well, who, like we've already said, uh, spoke um, excellently on this, really. It, it, it takes sometimes someone with that kind of wider understanding, I suppose, of of political issues that, that come to this because it's obviously not just football that attracts this it seems to be um, a little bit like most said systematic in, in wider society and in different countries as well I'm thinking Calgary um, I think it was about a week and a half ago against Moise Ken and um, the amount of um, at least on social media the amount of issues we've seen in, in English football as well but specifically Guano was was excellent afterwards and, and spoke like a, a well, I think much better than a than a real captain and, and someone in those circumstances usually usually does because it can be so affecting. So he deserves a real um, doth of the cap for being um, a real leader here. Yeah, I think it, it remains to be seen, but it does feel like maybe this could be the, the start of some kind of change in attitudes. Um, he, I mean, he, he even said in an interview today that when sort of asked about that kind of thing in the past, he, he had no idea how he would have reacted how he was going to react if the situation ever happened to him. Um, I think in in the past, you know, certainly the recent incidents, Maurice Keane, as you said, and Sterling, um, not so much of the Chelsea incidents, obviously we're not allowed to talk about because apparently there's no racism in English football, but um, against Montenegro, they both kind of, in a way, reacted in the best way possible by, by sort of scoring and then kind of staring out the, the, the people who've just been insulting them. Um, Guano, I think, did something that I'm not sure that we've seen before. First of all, he did manage to get the game stopped for, for six minutes or so and get all 22 players kind of to back him by stopping the game. But I think more importantly, the way he spoke. And it's not to say that there's a better or worse way to, to react because in exactly the same way, I'm in absolutely no position to, to, to say how someone should react in that situation. But the way that he spoke so eloquently, so calmly, actually in a way sort of feeling sorry for and wanting to educate the one person, maybe it would have been different if it had been sort of 
you know, several dozen people, but the fact that it was just one person and he was kind of talking about forgiveness and talking about how it's that person who needs, um, as I said, needs, needs educating and, and um, that you know, in a way he, he said, you know, I don't condemn that person, I condemn racism. Um, and possibly it's just a different way for the authorities to think about it. Um, and, and hopefully we'll see a sea change. Um, the, the problem is I'm, I'm not sure how you do deal with it. In a way, this kind of highlights the problem when you talk about fines or stopping matches or that kind of thing. The, the worry is that it could be one person sort of stopping it for 39,999 other people, for example. And I, I mean, Again, I, I just don't know. Maybe that is the right thing to do. Maybe um, a lot of sort of innocent people have to kind of uh, not be punished, but I guess penalised because of the actions of a few for something to change. I don't know what the answer is, but certainly the way that Guano uh, dealt with it, I think, was a was a new way because I think it, it made a, an important point that. Um, I mean, we, we know every time we see how hurt the footballers are when, when they when they receive this kind of abuse. Of course, everyone knows their footballers with feelings, but I think sometimes, um, unfairly, footballers are still painted as, as not the, the most educated or eloquent people. And for him to come out and basically embarrass the authorities by by acting much better than they ever do. I, there's been a lot on Twitter today about how the Italian press has been sort of obsessing about some little spat between uh, with Bakayoko and Kessio and Lazio players at, um, at the end of the match yesterday and that they're sort of more horrified by that than anything that happened to Keane a couple of weeks ago. Um, the fact that Guano is acting better in the face of being the direct victim of racism than any of the authorities, whether it's nationally or UEFA or FIFA, hopefully will shame some of those, in, those authorities into sort of no longer paying lip service and actually coming up with a, with a uh, decent set of possible solutions. Yeah, absolutely. I th think that's exactly the right thing, Jess. But uh, while longer term projects uh, should obviously be looked into and there, there's a lot of uh, longer term, hopefully, plans in place from, from clubs and, if it, or, and from leagues and, and such a, whether they are fully in place or not it remains to be seen but hopefully they've got something they're working on but the, I suppose the worry for 99% of Dijon fans Mo is, is the short term effect of this because like we've mentioned this is obviously not the first time the club's been in a little bit of trouble for this it, it, is it, it, would a stadium band be for these last few home games be enough or, or might they even be be risking potentially i know it's it's maybe severe on the club but even a points deduction in this regard because it is it's, it's clearly not just their first offense either i mean yeah like you said you know there's no one right answer and it would be you know a tough uh pill to swallow you know 99.9 percent of fans have done nothing wrong and on both occasions have come to support their club home and away um you know, relatively well. Um, but there needs to be, I think, a zero tolerance approach. There needs to be a point where instead of, you know, fancy slogans and um, and sort of a little bit of inaction, there needs to be a you know, tough line when it comes to uh, this sort of um, this sort of behaviour in the same way that hooliganism, you know, at one point had been sort of evaporate, um, 
evaporated well, it had to evaporate in England. Um, when it obviously racism is is it's a it's a scourge now, not just in, in French football but across uh or Europe. Um, I think a points deduction probably might be a bit too far, but you know, a stadium ban um would definitely I I think would um force the club to sort of bring their own fans into line to ensure that the majority are not uh, affected in future. Yeah, I, I think that that not just um, the FFF and, and other nations are, are around Europe, but UEFA and FIFA themselves mm-hmm. need to have a long look at this, a long look at how much money they spend this. Because I mean, there was the reports um, early this week, obviously in England, that the club spent four hundred twenty-seven million on on agents' fees and around about four hundred twenty-seven thousand overall. Uh, for kick it out to to help out um, the fight against racism and mm-hmm. maybe we need to invest more in terms of getting more people on the ground. Let's get kick it out to every club in in England. Let's have let's have a similar service to to every club in in Europe. Let's have them get into the wider the communities. Let's speak to people. Let's speak about the effects of how racism has on on minorities and mm-hmm. and homophobia and, and and the likes. Let's. Let's use football and the vast money that a lot of these places do, especially the governing bodies have, to educate those and, and get out in the communities and work together and do something like that. And yes, it might be a bit more. Some people may claim it's a bit uh, high arcing of me, but football certainly has the money more than most businesses and most governments even really to, to try and affect a change and, and what a positive that could be if, if only they could actually go about and do it for once but uh may we rest and hope more than anything i think at mm. the moment unfortunately uh, on to football matters now really and i'm sure both of you are rubbing your hands together to talk about paris saint germain's meltdown really on sunday night and i'll start with yourself jez it, it was an interesting game really that set up quite nicely with the one one score line about 20 minutes in and then juan bernat got himself sent off in somewhat controversial standards but regardless of that um, and regardless of the injuries, really, that Paris Saint-Germain have been carrying, which Tuchel mentioned after the game, it, it was a real implosion from them. And much like Mbappe said, a real uh, lack of character. Yeah, I mean, I'll start off by sort of giving the mitigating circumstances. You pretty much covered them there. Burnout, personally, I seem to be in a huge minority, in a sense. But I, I actually thought it was genuinely harsh sending off. I'm not even convinced it was a foul. I'm not convinced it was it was a um, it was a goal clear goal scoring opportunity either. But um, and yes, they've had they had injuries before the match and they had two during the match. But it's PSG. Um, if if there's issues with the depth of squad, that's entirely their own problem. Um, the players they brought on, they were youngsters, but they're still talented players. Um, maybe there should be more questioning of, of some of. Um, Tuchel's sort of tactics, playing Alves again as a, as a striker, playing the very short, maybe a defender, but a very short one, centre-back, that kind of thing, everyone's sort of glossing over those issues. Um, but the, And to be fair to them, as usual, after their champion, annual Champions League elimination, they are sleepwalking through the rest of the season, season, and you can understand why it's a little bit difficult to lift themselves. But... All that said, the way they capitulated in the second half, as Mbappe pointed out, is based, is just not good enough. And it is, he calls it a full professional. And it, it is. It's any sort of self-respecting professional should not be giving up like that. I know I'm on dangerous ground after fighting, I suppose, this week as well. But um, I, they, 
they should have that kind of professional pride um, even if it doesn't affect the, their title chances you shouldn't want to be ever conceding five certainly not to um, your, your closest rivals this season even if they are sort of 20 points behind and I think you know, Tuchel kind of entirely dismissed what Mbappe said but I think there was a lot of truth to it and actually even the fact that um, Tugari actually pointed out today that everyone in the club, whether it's Enrique or Kalefi or Tuchel or the players or the fans, everyone seems to have completely different theories for why they got nuts out of the Champions League, why they capitulated yesterday, um, why the, 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 the same problems happen year after year. And the fact that they all have different views and they don't seem to be speaking to each other and they all have different people to blame. All of this, I think, is just indicative of, of what's going on there. And obviously, they are very, very close to being a very, very good all-conquering team. Obviously, they are on the national stage. But until they sort out all these problems, which, frankly, at times do look amateurish, then I, I just can't see how they can ever take their next step and be proper Champions League contenders. And they're, they're really not far away. But the mistakes that, that they're making or the... the issues that they're not addressing while they're having all these internal politics. Um, as I said, I just I find them it's a bit embarrassing and, and it wouldn't take a huge step to sort them out, but no one seems to want to. They're, there's such a huge clash of egos at every level of the club that it, it, it feels like this is never going to be, or certainly not in the near future, going to be sorted out. And it's all bubbling under the surface and and starting with something that at least the players were pretty united on 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 Sunday and the managers and the 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 El Halafi as well was was the refereeing performance, Mo. He was also the referee when they ended up losing to Gangomp on penalties in the Coupe de la Ligue as well, much as Mbappe mentioned. Uh, On the contrary to to Jez, I I definitely think it's a, a red card in terms of a goal scoring opportunity and I don't think I've ever had to hold or, or pull a shirt of a player to to get back to him it, it, it's one of those a little bit silly ones and in, in all honesty a lot of the decisions on VAL were looked right to me as well in full time is this just sort of the the posturing of a team that that were heavily beaten and trying to find a, an excuse yeah no exactly I agree with uh, nearly every point that Jeff has made uh, I also thought it was a penalty because purely for the fact that if you uh, not sorry not a penalty a red card uh, for the fact that if you know, if you put, stick your hands out um, to to bring down a player, you know, you are going to put yourself in a position where that sort of thing will happen. Uh, you know, it's not a case of where, oh, you know, we just bumped into each other or lightly touched him. If you put your hand out and the player goes uh, goes on to fall, no matter how easily, you've given the referee um, a decision to make where, it necess- um, you know, it wasn't necessary uh, to to be in that position in the first place, I, I think, agree with that. I agree with it. You know, yeah. It's stupid to make the referee make a decision, but it's just yeah. to me that's not the same as it being fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, again, you know, one can easily make the case of the player falling down uh, easily, or if it was light, or if it was, uh, you know. But then again, that's that's the game, and that's you know that's the way that you know. In the end, it's it's self-inflicted. It's exactly. I'm, I'm certainly not saying that's something that <laughs> anyone at PSG is entitled to pull back that, on and moan about. Absolutely, and it's not just it's not just the red cards. The manner of the defeat. It's it's the complaints about the referee as well. Um, it's 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 all self-inflicted. I I I 100% agree with Mbappe, who you know some most of the time appears to be more eloquent than his 
than his uh, teammates who have been in Paris for for uh, uh, a longer number of years uh, than him. It's like you know, there's there's a way to lose. There's there's a way to lose, and there's a way to manage the game if uh, things are not going against you. You know, PSG, no matter how richly assembled they are, are not going to win every game as much as they like to. Um, if last night, you know, again, mitigated circumstances where they lost three of their five defenders on the field um, after half an hour, um, playing with 10 men against a very vibrant um, little side away from home as well. It's, it's, it's not going to be the end of the world if they were to go on to lose the game, but definitely the game control went absolutely out the window. Honestly, when, when Lille uh, stuck in the third, I really thought at that point it might end 6-1, six, six um, and they did end up game five in the end. And just complaining about the referee is distracting. It's distracting from their poor performance, sort of deflecting. I saw last night a lot of excuses, uh, which for a team who's still after after that, you know, it was in the end, you know, probably a one-off. Um, they're still 17 points ahead. They're still, you know, going to wrap up the league title in about 48 hours. Um, yes, the team, uh, the you know, the team is very thinly spread at the moment. Uh, yes, um, they might have not liked the referee performance, but to complain about the referee about after losing to, you know, in the Coupe de la Ligue, um, against Gangon to the team who absolutely, you know, rank bottom of the, of the league table as well. Again, it's all self-inflicted. It's just the mentality, that sort of mentality that's really going to deprive them of their bigger objectives, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the interesting point that, that Tuchel made, especially because he was very fiery yet again after the press, com- uh, the press conference afterwards, Jez, was that, yes, they had one man less on the bench and they had uh, plenty of good players fit, but Two players that he would have quite liked to have played were he's mentioned is Adrian Rabiot and uh, Lissana Diara that obviously for for other circumstances haven't played and obviously in, in Diara's case he's ended up retiring in the end but it it was a it was almost a, a really big statement of intent from the manager wasn't he he's ready to to have a look at how they can improve in the summer because he's fully aware of the the misgivings we've talked about all season and. He's clearly trying to send a message to El Halifi to say, trust me and and with these are the things that we need to fix and get me the tools to do it. Yeah, when he first spoke, I thought it just sounded absolutely ridiculous. And then uh, sort of the more you think about it, the more you think if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, he knew exactly what he was doing. It was a very good time to make a very uh, strong point to those above him that they need to invest i mean the problem is that it's not that they haven't invested in the past they've just invested very very stupidly and again let petty politics in the case of rabio affect the team um you know the fact that they can't fill a bench again i don't know if he's making a point or there generally aren't enough players around but as i said earlier if there aren't players around it's as a result of two or three years of um, spending ridiculous amounts on past it players or players who aren't past it but bring as many cons to the team's pros when you could buy a very, very good squad with the amount spent on, on one certain player, for example. Um, so, yeah, if, if, if he was using this to make a point, then actually he's very, very clever of him, very well played. And, um, I mean, I, I just don't think there's any way to hide it anymore. They, they have to change their policy in some way in the summer. I think they have to get rid of a lot of the, I was going to say dead weight. They're not dead weight, but some of there's, there's players there who are kind of 
serial losers. They're very talented players, but you have to say that they're tainted by the fact that they have been in every single Champions League capitulation that PSG have experienced recently. There's other players who, as I said, for all that they bring to the team, I think they take a lot away from it as well. Um, and I've said it before, for me, the biggest problem in that club is not in the UK, it's not Tuchel, it's not the players, it's, it's Al Khalifi. But he's not going anywhere, so he needs to, to wise up. And, and at the moment, for, for all that I think he's been, he's sounded ridiculous at times in the last couple of weeks. I, I thought he overdid the thing about having any last week. I thought he overdid the, the excuses last night. Um, I do think Tuchel, is, after Mbappe, is the, is the biggest asset of the club now. And if they don't back him in the summer, I could see him walking. Yeah, you see, that's the the thing I really like about Tuchel is he he will stand by his convictions, and if there's no movement in the summer, he'll know that he his reputation is not necessarily tarnished by this time at PSG, and he he would walk into another top European job. I, I sort of it feels a little bit immaterial saying that in midweek Paris Saint Germain are going face not probably another point will at least do it in in all likelihood three, and then. Um, this is a little bit of material because they are champions. But let's let's give a spotlight to Lille, um, Mo, because they, especially in the second half, were pretty terrific as well. As much as PSG allowed them to be, um, they have to still seize on that opportunity. And by Jove, did they really? But I suppose the shame about this team is it it's in all likelihood, but in, and many of them mentioned before the game that four or five players are probably going to go in this summer, um, help balance the books. It's going to be a real recovery for them because they're going to have not just money to pay what we're worried about the dncg but but even use that money to spend and and then try and rebuild again but it's been a really special team this season and galtier's had a, done an excellent job with a, a number of players who are going to go on to do bigger and better things you yeah, know absolutely it's a bit of a shame that um after really uh sort of seeing how great this team could go uh last night it's, you know it's Almost already at the end of the cycle, where with only uh, six games to go the season, uh, they've done they've done fantastically well. I actually will admit that I thought even as late as February, there is still sort of you know a team that are quite you know, resembling like a flash in the pan uh, that they would uh, they would be caught up certainly by Leon uh, if not if if not OM um, and you know that they have been relatively lucky, but. I the the front the front three uh, Ikone Bamba and uh, Pepe have just been absolutely fantastic. Um, their pace, especially in the final third, really has dragged not just you know the PS, PSG but also some of the other top teams uh, this season as well. Um, Galtier, I think, you know, arguably manager of the year for me. Um, I noticed I was in Marseille when the, they played the Lille last year and won five one, and Galtier was sort of very full on after that game uh, sort of lamenting just how the team were not able to follow his instructions how he was not able to replicate uh, the tactics that he wanted and that the result was a free-for-all in their defensive style and their inability to string a couple of attacks together but less than 12 months on you know they really are uh, the form team um, in, in France and uh, so many vibrant young players it looks like the the initial plan that they had has has uh, fostered uh, into something very very special, and I look forward to seeing what they could do in a close summer, especially with the funds that they have, and uh, with uh, Luis Campos being able to uh, perhaps pick out a couple more gems from the maybe the lower divisions in France or from across Europe and Portugal or somewhere else, and seeing who will be 
uh, who, who will be uh, the next uh, sort of key player for them next season. Of course, they've still got the Champions League. Very likely uh, that they will qualify for the, for this one. And, um, you know, basically a big job next next year. But Goldtier absolutely deserves, I think, to have a Champions League shot. And that's good. like we say, the unfortunate thing about them, not just obviously losing some of these players, but it's great that they can try and reinvest some of it once they've sort of well, appeased the tax man is maybe the best way of, mm. of saying it. But then, like you say, it's, it's striking lucky again. We've seen Monaco, we've seen, uh, I suppose, Leon can lean on a bit more on the academy and, and other, other teams of that ilk um, try and do it again. And it's so, so difficult. And especially with Champions League coming up as well. And, and Unless something absolutely dramatic comes, automatic Champions League place as well, it's it's going to make it even more difficult for what is already pretty small squad. Really, if if it's going to get um, thin and then try and grow out again, it's going to be even even tougher. Uh, on to Leon because the the big news coming out from there is almost pretty much immediately after the game, they mentioned that uh, Bruno Genesio will not be renewing his contract as pretty much expected. Really, um, on that one. Jess, it's not the most surprising news, but at least we've had confirmation now when they're going to start their search for a new manager. But they went out on Friday night and, and well, sorry, on 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 Saturday and uh, pulled a bit of an egg, really, to be fair, <laughs> against uh, not a side that we've met, we've mentioned how poor they've been in the second half of the season and, and um, how they've just been a little bit uninteresting. And and Leon just allowed them sort of to to walk into a result. I know it's obviously an excellent free kick in the end, but um, they never really, really troubled, not for, for great periods of time in it. Sort of symptomatic of, of Genesio's whole reign at the club, really. Yeah. We talk about this pretty much every week. And, and again, and I suppose it depends on your point of view, whether it's Genesio's fault or the, or the player's fault. Um, at this stage, um, whereas for a lot of points during the season. I think it is up for a debate between those two. At this stage, I'm sorry, but I really think that the fans, to an extent, and especially Olas, have to share some of the blame as well. Um, whether Genesio is a good coach or not, I think at least until the end of the season, he, you know, whatever was going on in private, he had to be publicly backed. And Olas usually... Um, I think is a is a savvy operator when it comes to cons, but I, I just think he scored a massive own goal this time. And it, the whole situation became so farcical, sort of confirming him in his post, and then three days later, pretty much um, totally backtracking. And um, it sounds like, at least from everything that's coming out of the club, that this is done. This was done on on Genesio's terms, which is which is something at least, unless it's just Leon sort of. Um, now trying to, to, to make the best of a bad situation. But whether it's on his terms or not, I, and whether we rate him as a coach or not, I, I think that the way he's been treated over a couple of years by fans and, and certainly over the last few months by his president as well, I just think is, is pr- practically inhumane. And, um, you know, if anyone, I think, deserve, deserves a bit of a break, um, a break as in not good luck, but time off in a good way. I think it, I think it's him. I think the extra pressure that he's been under, I just think it's been unfair. And the fact that it's sort of been caused by people who should be on the side and should be backing him is, is pretty sad. And then on the, on the playing side, there's rumours of a couple of fights. 
tend to think no smoke without fire. Those stories must have come from somewhere. Again, I think Neil just can't wait for the summer to come and, and they're going to have to really look at a few players there. I think Fekir just... It's funny, there was, there was a Liverpool fan recently who, who wrote an article about how Fekir is still fantastic and everyone's taking their eye off the ball. I really think he's had a cool season maybe. Um, and Dombele, no one knows if he's got a bad attitude or just a little bit too relaxed for his own good, but I think his, his mind's elsewhere. Depay, Depay, we know about him. Awa apparently is, is sort of, uh, you know, there were stories yesterday that Awa resents Genesio since he, he wasn't played against Barcelona, which, I mean, you understand the frustration, but a, a, a kid like that starting off in his career, I don't think should be throwing strops like that. Um, apparently there's a few players who are annoyed that, that Fekir's brother may or may not have been promoted above more deserving players into the first team squad just to please Fekir and try to get some format. And there's lots of issues there, and I think some of them could be sorted out just by Genesio and Fekir and Tabela leaving in the summer. But they're also, that also leaves three or four big voids that Olas is going to have to really get his mojo back to, to make sure that they're well filled again. Yeah, and that, that's the tough thing for Genesio really throughout his his tenure really, um, which ebbed and flowed. Mo, I mean, he had some really great moments. Obviously, succeeding to get into the Champions League knockout stages was a, a big plus for them this season. Uh, they um, competed on multiple fronts several times, just never really quite came to that stage. Had some great results against Paris Saint Germain as well, but. The fans never really quite took to him at any point, really. Even as soon as he replaced Uber Fournier, they weren't ever really certain on him. Uh, Olas has sort of not really helped, like just said, in the last few months with a uh, in and out sort of contract talks as well. And it seems like the players have sort of given in this season as well, which is possibly the death now. But how do you see Genesio's time in charge? Is it, is it one where Leon? did what they could with the talent they had or is it a situation where much like what the fans may say is that maybe he could have got a little bit more out of this team well um, it's hard to say because first of all I've seen I've seen a couple of Leon fans on Twitter um, sort of talk about like a lost era um, you know three and a half years lost uh, because of uh, having uh, Bruno Genesio as head coach uh, but when you look at the results in the field they've they've they finished uh, third, second, third, and fourth over the, th- and they're on course to finish third again. So, you know, podium three times out of four uh, seasons uh, since 2015, since Genesio has been uh, head coach. That's not a bad record at all. You know, he's qualified for the Champions League each and every year. Sure, you know, to, given the team that they've hired and the the array of young talent they've had at one point, you know, with uh, Lacazette initially through Fakir, through uh, Awar and then Dombele and Fela Mendy uh, over the last uh, 18 months, two years. There have been several missed occasions, but, you know, the same can be said of Marseille and Monaco, uh, their competitors as well. He has secured fantastic results um, at the Champions League this year and uh, in in Champions League this year and uh, in, in league against Paris Saint Germain, the home you know Marseille have never gotten um, so much more than a point in his period um, as head coach. They've had some fantastic results. I think claims that he has been a very poor manager for for Lyon are greatly over exaggerated for me. Uh, as much as obviously I'd want him to stay, 
of course, there are better talents um, in the managerial world, but I think most of the blame should lie at the door of the chairman, Jean-Michel Aulas. They have got a budget of 200 million euros uh, plus, maybe pushing 250. Um, He should back the manager with more funds uh, to secure uh, the talents that are required to reach the objectives. That hasn't come. He hasn't really supported Genesio in the last year. He had initially. Um, over the last year with the, you know, will he stay, will he go, uh, and the in-out contract talks that have, you know, sort of serviced over the past two months have undermined the relationship, I think, between the manager and the, uh, the team. The team should be doing better themselves. Um, you know, there's no reason why, and the, the problem that I, I find uh, with Leon is that they routinely do well against teams of a similar caliber or better, but then a couple of days later are unable to perform against um, against uh, you know teams that are ranked from you know say the bottom five in Liga. You've seen several times this season where they've matched Manchester City, they've held uh, Barcelona, they've beaten PSG, they they really overruled Marseille. You know the when when the big occasion comes, they really do seem to, you know, hit the uh, hit their foot on the pedal, and then, you know, against Angers, against Caen, you know, for example, the the team unravel. I don't know what the mentality of the team might be. I don't know how much of that can be placed on Genesio, um, but that's just a problem that's been plaguing um, the club. And Olas, obviously, I think he's the arguably the greatest chairman in French football what he's done over 25 years I think also he's become pretty stale and pretty aloof uh, you know with regards to how he runs the team um, I don't see personally what a new manager could bring um, especially one that does come from outside of France Yeah and that's sort of what we'll turn to in a moment I just wanted to mention for, for myself really on Genesio's time as I, I, th- I think he'd been uh, okay, I, I think what was sort of the death knell for him was, was this summer, actually. I think the the fact that the Nabil Fakir deal fell through was sort of come back to bite him a little bit, really, unfortunately. I think that the plan, much like we mentioned in the summer, was probably for Fakir to move on to Awa, to move into that position and Toussaint remain in midfield. And instead, he's had to try and shoehorn both and Dumbele and and Alwar into the team more often than not. And it's it's cost them, and both in Toussaint's form and, and also in the club's ability to have someone shield in front of the defence that was struggling. And is it, it has been a little bit better this season, but has, has still struggled, really. And the fact that that's happened and then you had in the absurdity of Fakir's younger brother, especially if he's not ready, being called up. And, and uh, Awa's attitude after being dropped for the Barcelona game, I mean, uh, I hate when players are like that because that's a real indictment of... of your own teammates as well to say that he is inferior to you. That's not fair on your teammates. It, you're not putting the belief in them to to go out there and pull. But the, the attention really turns, Jess, to who will replace him, really. And there, there's a number of candidates you can you can pull out of a hat, but many um, you might think are maybe a little bit inexperienced. But the last couple of managers that that um, Leon have gone for, I mean, Hubert Fournier was 
doing his things at Ras before before heading to Lyon and Genesio obviously a, a, sort of a reserve manager before his time with the club. Where do you think they, what direction they're going next? Is it is it blockbuster signing, much like Colas has alluded to in maybe a, a Jose Mourinho or a Rafa Benitez maybe, or do you think maybe he plunders some of these excellent young managers behind Liga? Uh, it's... <laughs> I don't, I don't think he's going to go the way that he's gone the last couple of times and, and sort of promote from within. I think maybe he's learned from the Genesio experience. I think there were some of the old fans that kind of had, Genesio, had it in for Genesio from the start because of that, because sort of Fournier was an excellent player, so they kind of favoured him in that selection process and then Genesio was promoted from within. And I think people were tainted by the fact that he was sort of part of part of Fournier's staff anyway. Um, so I think maybe he's learned this lesson from that. And I think possibly to get the fans back on side, he is going to need to go with a bigger signing. Um, I, I can't see Mourinho happening for the reasons they said, for the, for the money side and for the fact that um, I know United did it as well. But I just think Mourinho's ethos goes so against the, the Leon ethos of, sort of trying to play decent football and trying to bring through years. I'm not sure I could see that working. Benitez, I think, is a possibility. I think that would sort of fit quite well in terms of the, the sort of reputation of the of the coach um, and the fact that he may well be looking to move on from Newcastle as well. I suppose a lot of it depends on how much you believe when, when Ola said that he, he would really prefer to have someone who speaks French and knows Ligue 1. Um, there's talk of, of the era, but sure he's going to stay at least for at least another season. Um, Blanc, we spoke of him last week, I've got quite a few sort of reservations about him. Um, I, the one that, the name that came up and may be difficult because he's currently mid-season and it probably be quite expensive to recruit, but I think Gerardo would be, would be a really good appointment if they could get him. He knows Lugan is paid for one of on PSG, presumably because of that. Um, he can speak French. Um, I was going to predict that Danny Alves could not speak French at all. Um, I think uh, I think Gerardo is just the sort of right balance of, of being um, you know, a successful young manager who's not necessarily absolutely stellar, so possibly won't break the bank. Who still has got things to prove, but certainly has got a hell of a lot of ability. Who, as I said, has got that that little French connection. Um, I don't know that the Lyon fans would necessarily be happy, actually, maybe Vieira aside, with any other French manager right now. So I, I don't think there's a massive choice out there for him, depending on sort of what happens with other managers around Europe in the summer. Um, so, yeah, I think it would probably be quite a short list, but... Um, Gallardo Benitez, although I, I still think Benitez is a pretty negative manager as well. Um, I think they would possibly the, the, be the choices that maybe would excite Leon fans the most. Mel, uh, if uh, say you were were in the shoes of Jean-Michel Olas, and heaven forbid you're never in that position, at least anyway, but uh, uh, what would your choice of manager be for, for Leon? Well, it will be a manager who is obviously forward-thinking, able to, um, who knows the league. I think what 
what is very, very important is you have a manager who is able to understand sort of the intricacies of French football and how to set up a game system that, you know, enables his side to be able to sort of manage um, manage uh, manage the games and be able to pick up as uh, many points. Obviously, there are very different styles of football in France. Um, there are, the, especially at the low end of the table, opponents who like to sit deep and defend for quite a long period of the game. So a manager who knows the league, who's relatively successful, but able to work with what he's got, um, because outside of Paris and formerly Monaco, you know, managers do not have massive budgets to work on. And I don't think that this would be, um, this would uh, not be the case at Lyon um, next season. So like, like Jez has just said, Marcelo Gallardo is, I think, a very interesting proposition. Uh, Laurent Blanc, I think, even though I don't, uh, he might not be the favourites, would be a very interesting choice because of um, his record in Liga across two other major clubs, and um, how he has fared domestically in both. Um, especially the, you know, the next manager of Lyon will have a fine array of young talent to work with, um, and depending on who leaves the summer, a decent budget. Um, so it's just about getting the right personnel in to uh, take advantage of of that. And if they do make the right choice, and Olas has relatively so, perhaps not over the last seven, eight years, not since Claude Puel, maybe. Um, he's he, Before that, he's made the right call. And I think that this time you just need maybe, you know, and, you know maybe a radical approach might work, but... And then, above all, somebody that knows Ligam pretty, pretty well would be a great start. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think it might be even Laurent Blanc, but I, I would like to see a left field appointment, uh, maybe a uh, someone who's currently in Ligue 1 and, and pulling up trees, a, a Thierry Loret, maybe a little okay. bit early for sort of a, of a David Guillaume, but Loret especially too great since at Gaslight, where he, he almost did the unthinkable, and at Strasbourg, where he's uh, well, at least done what Leon have not done in a little while, at least in a, won a trophy. So at least he has that kind of experience and I'm sure the players are very much on his side as well. Uh, on to our final topic tonight. And I suppose we can't really ever invite Mo on without talking a little bit of Marseille. And they got back to winning ways at least at the weekend, Mo. But it's been a pretty tough 2019. They had that horrible stint between uh, November and February time where they really couldn't buy a win. And just as they were getting back on, on track, a couple of losses, um, pulled them out again. Champions League looks to just be about beyond them, really, even though points gap isn't absolutely massive now, at least anyway. It's only a, a sort of five-point gap to to Leon, but obviously they would have to overall Saint-Étienne as well. Although at least it looks favourable for a, for a Europa League spot. That's not quite the sort of level that we wanted this season and and worrying signs at least anyway for, for potentially the future and players uh, probably a big overall in the summer looking as well. No, you're right. Um, personally, I, uh, what, Leon's willingness to sort of throw away the Champions League has Marseille's hopes just about still on life support. Um, but obviously, had the, the the last 10 days gone the right way um, in the games against Angers, especially Angers, you know, losing two goals at home, through both through penalties is quite unforgivable, and had they managed to at least get a point at Bordeaux, the gap would have been 
two, um, with still Leon to come at the Velodrome next month, uh, it would have set it up for a, for a showdown. But I think we can more or less kiss it goodbye. Um, if not for the fact that some players are sort of, including you know, Florian Tovan among them, have sort of given up um, with the notion that even if Marseille did do the unthinkable and call over the Champions League, what would the club do? What would the club do? Because, because they haven't really challenged anybody that is at a similar level or above for quite a while now. And once you think of uh, what OM had achieved last year with a very thin squad, with squad more or less still most of the squad still standing from the really um un, uninspiring 2016-17 season that managed to still play 64 games and uh, go to european final how much of a step back this season has been um and because of that and because of perhaps i think rudy garcia has perhaps run about, run out of ideas this i think will result in a very difficult summer where OM will return to, you know, a period uh, quite similar um, to 2013-2014 where they would have to sell before they can buy players. Will Players, experienced players will leave um, and will be replaced by young, relatively cheap uh, buys. And then the cycle will begin where they will not be good enough to qualify the Champions League and then so on and so forth. I think that... They last summer was a, a very critical juncture for OM looking back, where Frank McCourt, you know, for all his uh, for all his critics, has promised has delivered on what he promised. He promised to set some for OM to to use. I think his mistake is trusting the people with his investment because they've turned out to make some very very poor decisions. Um, and you know, when that money well dries up, he will be relying on OM to be self sustainable. And wish for was that for that to be in the Champions League, where the riches will more than cover a significant proportion of OM's budget with no Champions League, you know, signals a very, very difficult summer to come for OM. Yeah, and very quickly, sort of on, on the the sort of higher up situation as well because uh, some questions at least anyway of, of Rudy Garcia Do, does he stay this summer as well I know with, there's a lot of interest in sort of well I suppose not interest in from clubs but in in departing players such as maybe the pies uh, sorry pies time for for moving on and and, and the ilk and, and a couple of older players moving on but is Rudy Garcia definitely going to be the coach next season is there any question about his leadership with the team um well the the idea is that he if if he could not get the Champions League this season he would have to depart and i think after the um the debacle of uh, the winter where om lost uh i think was it 14 of their 20 games over the winter um that he would just sort of tie things over till the end of the year and they won't be will be uh turfed but this somehow stupid decision of giving him a new contract in October where things weren't going well anyway has sort of meant that LM will have to spend quite a bit to get rid of him and I think that's what's led to some uh, uh, indecision of whether it will be the right idea to to let him go um, but the, the fact of the matter is, is that it would be, come the summer, it would be two and a half years just shy of three years that he's been out at LM. Last season had been a magnificent achievement um, and there had been occasions where his coaching had actually worked, where OM 
you know, I think Jez would agree with this. You know, they did come back from positions where they were relatively outplayed, but still somehow got a point. You'll see the quality of the league last year where OM finished fourth with 77 points, but would do well to finish third with just 65 this time round. Um, you know, it's, it's, he, in my view, he should be, he, I think he should be kicked out. I think there needs to be new leadership. Um, not just at the managerial level, but also the sporting director level, because some of the transfers have just not worked. The thinking behind, um, you know, where OM needs to be and how it can recover uh, as a team back to, you know, its former glory. Uh, some of the thinking behind that is quite muddled. You know, we've seen initially uh, transfers for players over 30 um, for significant sums. There are players who are still on significant sums, who have absolutely not performed and have been left on the bench, who themselves are wondering what they are doing. Um, and even key players at OM, uh, like Florentov, and as much as as much as much he's been great for OM, he is not perennially liked across Europe, so I don't think his value uh, will do much to you know earn OM a nice budget next season. So I think that there needs to be a complete change to ensure that a new uh body of personnel is able to meet those challenges that will come at the summit. Yeah, that's the tricky thing. And like you say, um, it's funny that Super Zuretta was linked with Arsenal, really. I'm pretty sure a lot of OM fans would be like, please take him off our hands more than anything. But very, very quickly, just on, on the game that happened on uh, the weekend, really, uh, Marseille did win 2-1 in the end. But again, it was a little bit of a war of attrition. It took them a while to get in front. They had two goals um, disallowed for VAR, but eventually got themselves a two-goal lead. But squandered it with a with a penalty for, for one and, and looked like they tried to throw it away for a second, had VAR not intervened in, and decided that Kamara had, had been fouled before handling the ball. It seems like they the only problem with OM at the moment is not necessarily opponents but themselves shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, just on, on this weekend's match, I'd say it's a little bit of both, I think. Um, Marseille had their, their chances Earlier on, I think Radomirch had a good one. Gustavo Balotelli had a couple of good snapshots. Um, and and Mean, by their own admission, didn't really start playing until they were 2 0 down. Um, I wonder if, in a way, Marseille were a little bit annoyed that um, having brought back some of those older players that have been benched, they actually, um, a few of them actually performed quite well and, and sort of um, maybe. Had they sort of crashed and burned, having been put back in the first team, maybe it would have sort of um, strengthened everyone's resolve to get rid of them in the summer. Um, but yeah, it's true that there is still an element of shooting themselves in the foot. I think I read that they've given away 11 penalties now, it's four in the last three games. And um, I have to say that I thought Saar was extremely lucky in the last minute. For me, there was no foul there. And I think I should have been second penalty. Um, and that would have been the second time in a week or two weeks that they'd given away the two really two two penalties. So it was a I wouldn't say it was a sketchy result because I think they deserved the win, but they did try their best to throw it away. And, and yeah, it's, it's, just as there's issues at PSG, there's issues at Monaco, there's issues at Lyon, there's issues at Marseille, and I think it's a huge summer for them. But as Mo said, I think the problem is that if they don't qualify for the Champions League, they don't have the, the money that's guaranteed from coming from that. And I agree that possibly because of a, a slightly misjudged 
transfer policy for the last couple of years, they're not going to bring in that much money from player sales, which means that we struggle to see what kind of players they can they can bring in. Possibly long term, if the fans are willing to sort of accept a couple of lean years, maybe that's a good thing if Marseille sort of do what they haven't particularly done in recent years and sort of really focus on their youth policy. Because they've got a few decent um, players coming through. Maybe if, even if it's because they've got no choice, those players are given more chances. Possibly that will bear fruit in two, three years and they could sort of become a little bit more like a, a Leon or a Ren, for example. But um, whoever, I think whoever, whoever it is who's, who's dictating the transfers has got a really, really difficult summer ahead. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of players who need to leave and I do struggle to see how they can be replaced by, by not, not I don't, want to, I don't want to say upgrades, but um, you know, some decent players need to come in. And I don't know what they're going to be able to buy with the funds that are available. Yeah, and that's going to be the interesting thing come the summer for, oh, for all of Liga, really, that two of the Giants are really in a, in a transitional mood. PSG looking for other things. Lille will have to make big changes. It's a all gearing up to be something we'll have to keep an eye on um, for certain. Uh, that's all that we have time for this evening. My thanks to uh, Jess, Mo, and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us for the preview show, which will be back on Thursday, and the main show will be back at the same time, same place, next week. Abianto, and goodbye.